6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Tuesday, July 19th. I'm Annabella Funk, and this is your KVMR Evening News. Coming up on the California Report, as gas and grocery prices go up, you might notice your rent going up too. Tonight, the California News Service brings us a report on the new 988 Suicide and Crisis Hotline, which is a part of California's efforts to tackle the mental health crisis. We'll take a look at local news and weather. Claudio Mendoza speaks to Nevada County Public Health Officer Dr. Sherilyn Cook about monkeypox. Then Mark Cunaberti covers all things finance and money matters. All this and more, coming up in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We're going to devote this show to inflation and how it's affecting Californians. First up, with summer in full swing, vacationers are heading to places like Lake Tahoe. But seasonal workers at vacation spots around the lake are feeling the effects of the rising cost of living. Here's CAP Radio's Sarah Mises-Tan with more. Service industry advocates say inflation is adding extra pressure for many low-wage employees. 30% of Lake Tahoe's population identifies as Latino or Hispanic, and most work to support the tourism industry. Bill Martinez is the director of the South Lake Tahoe Family Resource Center, a nonprofit offering bilingual services to Latino families. Those are the folks who are working in the service industries and are really struggling with uh, inflation here in South Lake Tahoe and are not sure what to do. Uh, it's becoming more and more difficult to put uh, food on the table and pay rent. Carol Chaplin is the president and CEO of the Lake Tahoe Visitors Authority. She says the area has been hit hard by a housing crisis, and combined with inflation, it's causing a worker shortage. When you look at the fact that many of our employees also live, you know, a little bit farther away in our commuting, and then you impact that with the gas prices and that kind of thing, it, it's definitely taking its toll. She says tourism numbers for the season are looking similar to past years. But visitors can expect to see restaurants with shorter hours and more limited menu items, a reflection of the impact of inflation. For the California Report, I'm Sarah Mises-Tan in Sacramento. Hey, so we all know prices are way up for groceries and gasoline, but inflation is also creating double-digit rent hikes for some Californians. In Southern California, KPCC's housing reporter David Wagner explains inflation's effect on renters and why rent control isn't stopping the increases. Last month, Magali Lopez got an email about the Pasadena apartment she and her mom have lived in for more than a decade. It said their rent will be going up 10 percent in August. So Lopez sat down with her mom to discuss their budget. We just had a whole conversation about how life is just so much more expensive. Lopez, a recent college grad, says the cost of gas and groceries is already skyrocketing. Now inflation is coming for her rent, too. My mom and I did discuss moving out. We used to have family that also lived in the same apartment complex, and most of them have also left. Lopez says if rent keeps going up 10 percent every year, they'll have to leave too. Double-digit increases are coming for many L.A. area renters, despite state and local laws meant to stop massive rent hikes. That's because those laws allow rents to rise with inflation. 
And with annual inflation in L.A. soaring by more than 8 percent, some tenants are now getting increases they haven't seen in decades. It's certainly a new phenomenon after really 20 plus years of having inflation rates, you know, in the one, two, three percent range. Shane Phillips is a housing researcher with the UCLA Lewis Center for Regional Policy Studies. He says inflation is generally seen as a fair standard for calculating rent increases. The thinking goes, if costs rise for landlords, they should rise for tenants, too. But Phillips says when inflation rises faster than wages, renters fall behind. It's going to be a challenge, of course. I think a lot of people with gas prices and other things where they're at, they're already struggling. And so this is not going to make matters easier. This dynamic is playing out across California. The statewide Tenant Protection Act will allow rent increases of 10 percent next month. Inglewood has approved increases of up to 10 percent, depending on apartment building size, and Santa Monica passed a 6 percent increase, the highest possible limit in the city. Former Santa Monica Rent Control Board Commissioner Nicole Phyllis worries about seniors on fixed incomes. They're going to have a really difficult time staying in their units because these increases are at historic levels. With huge increases on the horizon, some local lawmakers are trying to rein in rent hikes. Burbank City Councilman Constantine Anthony recently asked city staff to report back on the possibility of enacting rent control in the city. He says recent polling shows that 60 percent of Burbank residents view rent control as an urgent priority. This post-pandemic price gouging, it's making the argument for them. Santa Monica's city council recently voted to put a measure on the November ballot that would cap increases at 3 percent. The move came over the objections of landlords. Despite high inflation, some cities have much lower caps on rent increases. Baldwin Park and Santa Ana limit increases to 3 percent, and the city of L.A. continues to ban all increases in rent control departments during the pandemic. Victor Cow with the California Apartment Association says this approach fails to account for the rising prices landlords are paying to repair and maintain their buildings. They're facing the same inflationary pressures as everybody else. The same costs at the supermarket, the same costs at trying to get repairs done. So the question then becomes, well, whose pocket is this really coming out of? But in many parts of L.A., large rent hikes are forcing tenants to make tough decisions. North Hollywood renter Kiana Johnson lives in a newer building exempt from rent control. She and her roommates were able to negotiate a 10 percent rent hike down to 9 percent. Johnson still feels like she's being squeezed out. If it's going to keep climbing like 10 percent each year, then there's no way anybody could afford that. With rent rising so quickly, Johnson says her dream of saving to buy a home is slipping away. I genuinely don't think I'll be able to ever get a house. At this point, Johnson says she's resigned to being a renter, but even that feels increasingly out of reach. For The California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. Support for The California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Listeners, is this edition of the California Report for Tuesday, July 19th. We are at 
production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, we have a daily California Report podcast. You can listen to it any time of day or night. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your ever-loyal host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day out there. service brings us a look at the new 988 suicide and crisis hotline. People and families experiencing a mental health crisis can call 988 instead of 911 to get connected with a mental health professional and 13 different mental health agencies throughout the state. More from Suzanne Potter. Starting now, people contemplating suicide or families experiencing a mental health crisis can call 988 instead of 911 and get the help they need. The new 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline funnels callers to 13 mental health agencies across the state. Trained operators can connect people with suicide crisis counseling and mental health de-escalation counseling over the phone. Dr. Lisa Payan Berlin with Parents Anonymous applauds the effort. They're also trying to avoid police intervention. They want mental health intervention because when we've had police intervention, they're not trained to handle mental health problems and some tragedy happens. Many jurisdictions, including L.A. County, will dispatch a mobile crisis team to the scene if appropriate. If a family issue is less urgent, the lifeline has already begun passing callers along to the California Parent and Youth Helpline. That number, which people can call or text, is 855-427-2736, or you can live chat on their website, caparentyouthhelpline.org. Dr. Payan Berlin says Parents Anonymous launched the California Parent and Youth Helpline in 2020 to connect families with trained counselors and free online support groups. They call us because they want to talk to us as a parent, or they are having an emotional meltdown because the child is acting out, or they got kicked out of school, or they got arrested. You can call us. The state of California is spending $20 million to support the 988 lifeline in the Golden State. The new state budget funds the California Parent and Youth Helpline at $1.6 million a year for three years. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Now let's take a look at your local news. According to Cal Fire, as of 8.47 this morning, the winding fire near Oregon House in Yuba County has burned 82 acres and is 20% contained. A press release was sent out today by the Tahoe National Forest announcing that it will implement Stage 1 fire restrictions starting July 20, 2022. Under Stage 1 restrictions, the following are prohibited. Building or maintaining a fire, campfire, or charcoal fire outside the established fire rings within the designated developed campgrounds and picnic areas. Smoking, except within an enclosed vehicle or building, a designated campground or recreation area, or while stopped in an area that is at least 3 feet in diameter that is barren or cleared of all flammable material, using a motor vehicle off paved gravel or dirt National Forest System roads and trails, except within a designated, developed, off-highway vehicle area. Help us protect our forests, firefighters, and communities by following these principles when out on our forested lands. 
Tend to your campfire at all times. Ensure that your fire is completely extinguished and drown with water, not dirt. If you're using a stove, lantern, or heating device, make sure that it's in a barren area with three feet of clearance from grasses or other debris that may catch fire and prevent stoves from tipping. When traveling with your vehicles, make sure that your chains are properly connected. The hot underside of the vehicle and dragging chains can start a fire. With spark arresters, ensure that all internal or external combustion engines have a spark arresting device properly installed, maintained, and in effective working order. And remember that fireworks are prohibited on all national forests year-round. Always use caution when smoking. Extinguish all smoking materials on bare soil. Pack out all cigarette butts and filters. For the full press release from the Tahoe National Forest, visit thetahonationalforest.com. Turning now to your local weather and AQI air quality index. For those in Grass Valley, Nevada City, tonight is clear with a low around 67. Wednesday is sunny with a high near 95. The AQI in Nevada City is good with an AQI of 8. As we experience this heat wave, remember to stay hydrated and drink lots of water. And Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight is mostly clear with a low around 52. Wednesday is sunny skies with a high near 84. The AQI in Truckee is good at 15 AQI. In Sacramento and Woodland, tonight is clear with a low around 61. Wednesday will be sunny and hot with a high near 101. The AQI in Sacramento is good with an AQI of 19. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Claudio Mendoza speaks to Nevada County Health Officer Dr. Sherilyn Cook on monkeypox, the symptoms, risk factors, and vaccine plan for Nevada County. According to the Sacramento Bee, 21 people in Sacramento County have been infected with the monkeypox virus as of July 19th. I spoke with Nevada County's Public Health Officer Dr. Sherilyn Cook, and I asked her some questions about this rare disease. Dr. Cook, can you tell me first of all, what is monkeypox? And how long has it been around? Well, monkeypox is a rare viral infection. It's actually old. It was first identified in 1958. And it was in Central and West Africa, where it's regularly found. So it's considered endemic there. However, in May 2022, we started to notice an uptick in cases of people who had not visited Africa, including people in Europe and North America, and it has since spread to California, out to our areas. As of today, July 19th, there are currently 21 people in Sacramento County infected with monkeypox. Are there any confirmed cases of monkeypox here in Nevada County? To date, we have not confirmed any monkeypox cases here in Nevada County. However, as you mentioned, it's definitely been documented in the Sacramento region as well as in the Bay Area and other areas around the state. So we do know that individuals in Nevada County can be at risk because people travel. They come into contact with each other. So, I mean, it's probably a matter of time before we have a case. But as of right now, as far as we know, we do not have any diagnosed cases of monkeypox in Nevada County. How is monkeypox transmitted? Well, monkeypox is transmitted by very close physical contact where you're having skin-to-skin contact with someone, and it can be spread by droplets. So, for instance, if someone coughs and the droplets hit someone in the face, it can potentially spread that way. 
in Africa where it's endemic, that is more typically how it's spread is through the droplets. And you will see individuals with pox on their face, upper body, torso. But here in the United States, what we're seeing is a skin-to-skin contact of monkeypox. We're not seeing the lesions in the face and the upper extremities very much. We're pretty much seeing it in um, the genital area. So it's skin-to-skin contact, most often sexual contact. It's not a real easily spread disease, say like COVID-19, which is aerosolized and is very infectious and spreads easily. You know, what we're seeing with these cases, and there's different strains of monkeypox. And again, the strain we're seeing is skin-to-skin direct contact. So it's people who've come in direct contact with an open sore or wound from the pox virus, you know, on another person that are getting it. And let's talk about the symptoms of monkeypox. How would one know that they have contracted monkeypox? You can get a fever, you can get headache, you can get muscle aches, back aches, you might get swollen lymph nodes, and generally just feeling tired and not well. But the classic symptom that will develop eventually is a rash. And the rash is a little bit different than a lot of other rashes, but you would still need a healthcare provider to evaluate the rash to determine if this is suspicious for monkeypox. And then at that point, there are lab tests that would need to be done to confirm the diagnosis. And the illness can last for up to uh, four weeks. So, you know, it's not not generally a life-threatening disease, but it certainly can be severe enough to cause a disruption to one's life and cause a lot of symptoms. So that's why we're concerned about it. I've read that the monkeypox vaccine is in short supply. When it becomes available here in Nevada County, how will it be distributed and who should be concerned enough about the disease to seek vaccination? Yes, it's it's a ways out. Um, there will definitely be targeted groups that are going to be offered the monkeypox vaccine, particularly because it's in such short supply. But the the primary um, the primary outbreak that has occurred so far has been amongst men who have sex with men. And in addition to that, it's been individuals who've had a recent sexually transmitted disease of any type puts them at higher risk of getting monkeypox. Also having multiple sexual partners puts you at higher risk of monkeypox. And, you know, engaging in behaviors that would be high risk for getting a sexually transmitted disease would also put you at increased risk of getting monkeypox. But again, currently we're doing primarily individuals who have been intimately involved with someone who was later found out to have monkeypox, or they've been intimately involved in a situation where monkeypox was amongst a group of people that are being qualified right now for the vaccine. That was Nevada County's public health officer, Dr. Sherilyn Cook, talking about monkeypox an orthopox virus related to smallpox that's currently on the rise here in California. Feeling like the world is topsy-turvy? The economic market might be too. Mark Cunaberti breaks down the earnings report and the stock market on Money Matters. (laughs) 
Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name's Mark Cunaberti. The market continues to exhibit what some would call bipolar behavior. One day, oil stocks go up. The next day, they plummet. Another day, retail stocks go up, and then the next day, they crater. Technology stocks, who were the market darlings of late 2020 and the last 10 months of 2021, cratered in the first six months of 2022 to previously unheard of levels. Brief rallies in the sector give hope to beaten-down investors looking to recoup losses only to be carpet-slammed to new lows in classic head-fake rallies. The first week of July appears to be another in a long line of hopeful rallies, and only time will tell if the latest rallies hold or new lows await once again. Some analysts argue the bad news about inflation and the Fed's response to it is thoroughly baked into the market by now, while others claim there is more downside to come. Stock prices are based on company earnings, and since earnings are backward-looking, the current earnings reports, which have just begun, will show just how anemic some believe the economy is since current prices reflect last quarter's earnings, this latest round of reports coming out, which will encompass much of this month of July, may reflect more reductions in profits and revenue. If earnings come in weaker than expected, stock prices may fall again in what is called earnings compression. One could say the current fall in stock prices is based on earnings expectations, where earnings compression may occur due to the actual financial reports coming out in this current quarter. Earnings compression is the fall in reported earnings based on the economic slowdown, since stock prices are believed by some to have currently fallen based on the expectations of falling earnings. The actual reports may show a verified fall in earnings. This fall in earnings may then have an effect on analysts and investors alike to subsequently adjust their expectations based on real numbers instead of these projections. This adjustment means a stock price which is based on what the company was expected to earn in the coming quarter may be adjusted lower due to the verification that earnings indeed are slowing. Think of it as fire insurance in a heavily wooded area. Prices for fire insurance in a fire-prone area will be expensive, no doubt. But should a fire break out, say, close by, fire policies would surely skyrocket. That's if one could obtain a policy at all. This example details stock prices which are based on expectations expectations versus prices which are based on an actual occurrence. Stock prices today reflect the expectation that the economy is slowing, but there is little reflection of the slowdown based on last quarter's earnings reports. When the current earnings quarter is reported by companies throughout this month of July, the truth will then be known as to how bad things really may be. Should earnings by a variety of companies show some real bad numbers, there could be even further downside ahead, as expectations become a harsh reality and an earnings compression event takes place. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. This newscast is my opinion only and may not necessarily reflect those of this news media, its staff members or underwriters, and reflects no opinion of any bank or investment advisory firm. I hold a degree in economics with honors in 1979 from San Diego State University, and our website is moneymanagermedia.com where everything is free, our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. I hold California insurance license OL34249, and I'm a Medicare agent of in the state of California. My name's Mark Gutenberg. That's 
that's our newscast for this Tuesday, July 19th. Head over to kvmr.org and subscribe to KVMR Podcasts. Support from KVMR comes from our generous listeners and from Rick Kalb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983, providing wealth management and retirement planning strategies. Also, second opinions on current investment portfolios on Spring Street in Nevada City. More information can be found online at Rick. KALB.com and from Prosperity Lanes, offering 18 lanes of solar powered bowling with group and special needs accessibility, blacklight bowling, and also leak bowling. Shirley's Grill serves salads, breakfast, burgers, and beer. Open daily. ProsperityLanes.com. Stay tuned. Coming up at 6.30, we bring you an encore presentation of Educationally Speaking, originally broadcast on February 15th of this year. The topic is STEAM, science, and arts. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Tonight's evening news was produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in to KVMR-FM Nevada City and KCPC Camino. I'm Annabella Funk, your evening news anchor for KVMR, signing off. Join us Wednesday at 6 p.m. for another edition of KVMR News.